It's not about being the Rebbe. The Rebbe was in a whole different stratosphere. He was a closer to an angel than a man. The Rebbe pushed himself light years. But everything you do, try to do it a little better by watching him. You don't have to be the greatest person. Be the greatest you. Baruchim Abayim and welcome to Torah Talks Chazak's Tuesday night program with special guests we have with us tonight all the way from Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. Welcome Rabbi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's a beautiful it's a privilege and pleasure and it's always amazing to, to, to see the Rabbi. It's been a while since that uh, schut I had of, the, of being in the car together with the Rabbi. And, and the uh, drive to Stanford, yes, Connecticut. Yes, Baruch Hashem, Chaz Hashem, and uh, we're going to be speaking about the life and legacy of the Rebbe Rebbe Zatzal, the newest Sefer book that Rabbi Nachman Seltzer wrote, Kenainar, the 47th book that has been published by Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. It's a big honor to have you on Torah Talks. Rabbi Armin Hagar, custom is a little bit of background about yourself before we talk about tonight's topic. Okay, my background. Grew up in um, Flatbush till I was nine, Borough Park till I was 14. Then we moved to Eretz Yisrael, uh, to a little town in the West Bank called Emmanuel. And then I went to Yeshiva in B'nai Brak, and then Yerushalayim, and eventually I went back to America to learn, camp in America, and then back to Eretz Yisrael, the Mir, Yitzchak Berkowitz. And uh, I was in the Mir for 15 years. And uh, along the way, I started writing and uh, at, at the same time I was I was learning I was also working on the on books and music and doing all sorts of things so Ben Macbeal simultaneously to the learning there was also the writing the speaking the teaching and basically that's in a nutshell the history can I know it seems like the rabbi has been around a little bit around the block in different places uh, but how did it all start with regards to writing? You know, this is the 47th book, like I mentioned before. It didn't happen out of nowhere. It wasn't in the blood. They, they come from Zchut uh, Avod. Your grandparents were writers back in the day. Like, how did it all happen? Um, there was a lot of talent in the family. I, I have to give credit to the to the grandparents but and the parents. Baruch Hashem. Um, I always liked writing. I was good at it. When I was a kid, I won creative writing awards. And as I got older, I, I really tried. I would read everything I could get my hands on. All the Jewish books, I knew all the Jewish books, and um, I, and I started feeling like I really should do this myself. I could do this. I could do this. Maybe I could do this better. You know, like I'm feeling the confidence of youth. Go for it. So uh, people would be like, yeah, sure you can. Sure you can do it better. Anyways, one day, when I was 23 years old, I decided, I said to my mother-in-law, it was Shabbos, I was, in my, I was at my in-law's house. I said, to her, I want to write a book. So she said, okay. She gave me a pad of paper and a pen and said, go for it. <laughs> I sat down and I wrote my first four pages of the first book, which we called The Edge. Today it's the a movie. Edge. The Edge. What's that about? The book is about a, it was a, it was a story that a friend of mine, it could be, you know, him, Simon Nissim. You know Simon Nissim? Sounds so familiar. Simon Nissim, he's married to Vicky. Anyway, so uh, Vicky's good friends with, Jan- with Janine, uh, Yaakov's wife. The kids are, Yaakov's saying at the Chasna for free. Back in the day, they were good oh, friends. Back in the day, anyway. So Simon's from England. And he was learning by Rishon Berkowitz with me. And one day, he told me a story about a friend of his. And I said the story is so incredible. 
that I, I, I should do a fictionalized version of it based on a true story. That became the edge. It's about a person who finds out he's a he's a mamzer, he's an illegitimate uh, Jew, not a kosher Jew, and it's a whole it's an amazing story. And uh, so I, I couldn't write the the way the real story exactly the way it was. I had to change certain details, but it's based on the true story. And eventually, it was made into a movie by Baruch Perlowitz, first real movie he made. It was a very successful uh, Jewish film, and um, so that was the first book. And that said, from there, Baruch Hashem didn't look back. We just kept on going. So this was when you were 23 years old. 23 so years old. the last three years, you put together 47 years, but you're only 26, right, Rabbi? <laughs> <laughs> but very, very impressive. You're 26, I'm 26. <laughs> very, very impressive. So the first book was The Edge. And the most recent book, the latest book, is The Rivnitz of Rebbe's Itzal. How did that all come uh, along? Uh, was there any cash yeah. or any connection? So that came along because of Yisrael David Grossman. A book called Living Legend. 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 Okay, so years and years ago, I started, I wanted to write a book about Yisrael David, but I didn't know how to reach him. And so eventually I put that on the side. Then I wrote a book about Rebbe's Young Rice. And that led to a book about Yisrael Gellis called Our Man in Jerusalem. And that led to a book called The Insider about Yisrael Katzover. And that led to a book called Living Legend, because each of these people knew the next person. Yisrael Katzover called Rabbi Grossman, got through to him immediately. Rabbi Grossman was interested in the project, and we became good friends. So this book, Living Legend, is one of the most, is a very, very popular book. And a person read this book, originally from Queens, actually. He read this book. Can't say who he is. Read this book. And he loved the book. And he one of the things he loved about it was the part about the Ribnitzer Rebbe. Ribnitzer Rebbe actually spent time at Migdal Or, the Shabbos. He went there many, many years ago. And he came to Israel after leaving Russia. And this person that we're not going to say his name, I'm just going to give a little hint. It has to do with a lion. That's the only hint I'm going to give. This person, he became close to Grossman. He reached out to people who knew him, and Rabgosman came to his house. He doesn't live in Queens anymore. And Rabgosman, they became close, developed a relationship. And he had an idea. He wanted to do something for the Rinvitzer Rebbe. He didn't have any children. So he said, I want to write a book about the Rinvitzer Rebbe. There are other books, but I want to do one with Art Scroll. And he wanted me to be the writer. And he asked Rabgosman to call me, to ask me to, to, to do this. And so one day, Rabgosman called me one Thursday afternoon. I was shopping for Shabbos. And the phone rang, and it said, Rav Grossman, Rav Yisrael David. And he said, Rav Nachman, I want you to write a book. Somebody wants you to write a book about the Rimnitz Rebbe. Okay, so that's how it started. Wow. And uh, Baruch Hashem. It, so it all began. So it's all part of, uh, it's a long chain of events. But the, the last part of it comes from Rav Yisrael David Grossman. The Godlin's Chosay Lezakai. Amazing. I, I, I want to mention one thing about Rav Yisrael David. He had the schud, the merit to have the rabbi be a featured speaker at a big Chazak event. And the mental people that constantly, this was many years ago, constantly tell me the inspiration that he got from the Rav is unbelievable. And then recently I was in Eretz Yisrael with a group of Balabatim. We went to many Gidolim, many Rabbanim. It was very, very inspiring. But one of the main guys told me that the biggest uh, effect that he had of being in Eretz Yisrael was when we had the Schut de Merit to go to Migdal or Migdal Emek to meet with Rabbi Grossman and the work that they do over there is just tremendous. It's amazing. And the fact that the Rabbi Grossman had a catch with the Rebbe Rebbe is that's all. And the fact that you, he encouraged you to write this every is very, very amazing. Now, 
the books are already in the stories we don't understand, right? It just came yeah. out. Yeah. It just came out. If, if, if a person doesn't have a book, like, for example, myself, not yet. Okay, my wife is a big fan of Rabbi Nachman Zeltzer. I told her to Rabbi before offline. I'm going to say it in public. And uh, she's in the middle of reading the Zara Simsha. She has a Chavrusa Shaf with it. She learns with a partner. And uh, I want to get the book about the Rimnitz Rebbe, but I want to get a little bit of a, of a glimpse or, 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 or a highlight. What would it be, Rabbi Nachman Zeltzer, from within the okay, so first of all, the book is called the Rimnitzer. Uh, there are other, I think there are other books called the Ribnitzer, but this is called the Ribnitzer. Just, the Ribnitzer, published by Arbitzer. That's right, that's right. Not to confuse it. Uh, there's so many beautiful elements. Okay, so the Ribnitzer Rebbe was a tzaddik tzaddik. He was on all different level. He wasn't like from this world, he was like a throwback to the Balshemtov's time. He would have been at home in the Balshemtov circle. That's the type of Avoidus Hashem that the Ribnitzer Rebbe did. He he would break, he lived in Russia. In Russia, it's freezing cold in the winter. The Ritmitzer Rebbe tabled in the mikveh every day, a few hundred times. Wow. He would break the ice in the river, in his hometown, or at any other town he was visiting to bring chizik to Yedid as a mayol or other mitzvahs, and he would break, he would go down to the river, break the ice, go into the river, do his 300 plus tvilas, and sometimes the ice would cover, would close up on top of his head, or wow. he would lose track of the hole, and then he would have to get out. So sometimes he would be able to break through. Sometimes he would have it to Hashem, and he would find himself on top of the, on the on dry land. There were many, many miracles, uh, to the point where the, the Goyim understood that there were miracles with the KGB helping him go to Mikvah. There were miracles with the Nazis escorting him to Mikvah, understanding that this is a person you help. Wow. And that's just one element. And when the Rebbe would come out, he one time, there were, there were kids in the village understood that, uh, oh, look, this rabbi, he goes to Mikvah in the, in the freezing, he breaks the ice, he goes to Mikvah, and he comes out and, and they would, but they, would, they, they understood that if a person, let's say, uh, he would come out, he didn't look at women. So if a woman would pass by, he would go back to Mikvah, he would go back in again. So these girls would come as a fun. They were young girls. They would come and play a game. They would stand in front of him when he came out. So in the beginning, he went back in the mikvah. But he saw that they're having fun. They're having a lot of fun. You know, this old Jew, they don't understand what, what he was got. They came and they did this to him. One day, he takes. He came out of the river. He, he filled up shoes with freezing cold water. And in front, of, in front of their eyes, when they came and stood in front of him, he poured freezing cold water all over his shoes. In front of them, it's like he, as if he went to mikvah again. After they saw that, they never did it again. No. That's just one example of of the type of avodas Hashem of service to God that the Rebbe did. But that's just one thing. That's just one little point. And he was he was fighting the KGB. He was walking through forests. He was the mile. He would go he, he, traveling. Somebody said that he got into one time. He needed uh, to drive to somewhere far away. And he's, the Rebbe's like, how do I get there? And the Rebbe said, oh, you have a car in your backyard. The guy said, the car doesn't have, uh, I haven't used it in years. The Rebbe said, don't worry. They get in the car and they drive, drives for hours. <laughs> they come back, no problem. The guy went into, he said, you know what? While if, I haven't driven this car many, many years. But if I already drove it, let me check to see what's happening. He opens up the car, the hood, there's no engine. Wow. But that's in Russia. But I could tell you, Herschel Weber, who's the founder of Atsala in America, 
Williamsburg. He lives in Williamsburg. He yes. told me personally that he was in a bungalow colony driving, and, he, and the Rebbe wanted him to drive him somewhere late one Moitzi Shabbos. He ran out of gas. He said, Rebbe, there's no gas in the car. The Rebbe said, don't worry about it. The Rebbe said, drive. They drove. No gas. They got to where they needed to get to. After that, the car stopped, and that was the end of the story. Wow. Wow. And this wow, wow. Is, I tell you, Burschel Weber told me, this is from a Burschel, personal. This is the, the Rebbe, he was a Gabbai from the Rebbe. This is one person away. He was, the, he was there with the Rebbe. You know, he was the Rebbe's man for a while. Unbelievable. Talking about no gas in the gas. Uh, for the car, whenever uh, that happens, it, it goes to E, right? E, when I ask people, what does it mean? They say empty. I always tell them, no, no, it means Imuna. <laughs> but all oh, seriously, that, that, that's crazy stories, I would say. That's, that's amazing. Now, there's a tiny, there's a complaint that people have that when you read these books, it's all about mites and miracles and, you know, this happened and that happened. If there would be something that we could take for the average person, a lesson, that we can take home. Right now we are behind us. We have Rosh Hashanah and the time of his recording Yom Kippur as well. We have Sukkot coming. I had one lesson that we could take from the Rebbe Rebbe. Of course, the Misud Nefesh and going above and beyond to do mitzvot. Yes. If that would if anything stick out, Rabbi Nachman tells well, you. First, every page is, is, is a lesson. I'll tell you, it's not about being the Rebbe. You will not be able to be the Rebbe, okay? The Rebbe oh, was in a whole different stratosphere. <laughs> no, it's just not reality. He was a, closer to an angel than a man. So it's not like that. But when you go through the book, I describe the Rebbe's way he served Hashem. For what he did, his avaidah, how he davened, how he created in the shul, how he ate, how he made brachas, how he set his sukkah, Shabbos, fish, the tish, the ben adam lamakom, between how he related to fellow Jews. Look, I'll give you one example. Yeah. Meaning like this. My point was that you could take from this book everything you do, try to do it a little better by watching him. Take that idea that the Rebbe pushed himself a thousand years away from this world. Light years. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking me to do that. That's not where we are. But we can all push ourselves a little bit, do a mitzvah a little more, dive with a little more kavana, be makbed on Kriya Satora more, be makbed on what we eat more and how we eat. Meaning, that's a huge lesson. You don't have to be the greatest person. Be the greatest you. Be the greatest you. Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron and Cohen were compared to one another. How can we compare Moshe and Aaron? Moshe was the greatest. Aaron was not as good as Moshe, says our Moshe Feinstein, because without Aaron Cohen was the greatest Aaron Cohen. So therefore, he's like the greatest Moshe Rabbeinu, because he was the greatest him. So if you're the greatest you, then you're like Moshe Rabbeinu. 100%. 100%. That's what we can learn from the Rimitzer. But I will tell you, just if you, talking about how he was interpersonal relationships, Herschel Weber told me he was once in the house and there was a person who came, a Russian Jew, who came and he was upset about something and he started yelling, he wants to see the Rebbe, but the Rebbe was eating lunch. So they said to Mordechai ben David and Reb Herschel said, you gotta wait. Mordechai ben David, the famous singer? Was a rabbi also. Really? A few years. Yes. Mordechai ben David has something called the Rebbe's Nigan. He sings it. It was the Rebbe's Nigan. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He put it out. And that's what he's seeing the Rebbe's nigger. Anyway, so this guy doesn't want to go away. He's not taking no for an answer. He starts banging on the door. They're like, go away. Let the Rebbe eat lunch. The guy doesn't go away. He broke down the door. Wow. He literally broke down the door. And the Rebbe said, what's going on? They said, this guy wants to see the Rebbe, but he's not taking no. And he broke down the door. They were very mad at him. The Rebbe said, come in, come in. He lets him in. He says, what'd you do? He said, I have to see the rebel. So I broke down the door. The rebel said, you did well. You did good. I'm just saying, this is an example. Every paragraph is an example for you to take and apply to your life as far as you can go. How long was this book in the works, Rabbi Seltzer? The last uh, half a year, I would say. I was involved with it on some level. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Give us a little bit of a background. What it takes to put together is it a biography? It's his life, yes. life, the life. So, what does it take to put together? What tell us a little bit in the day of Rabbi Nachman Seltzer? Is it the phone you just call? Just asking two separate things. You want to know how I put together the book or the day and night in Nachman Seltzer? Well, you know, both. <laughs> <laughs> the day in Nachman Seltzer, basically, if I'm not learning with my Chavrusa or Shurim or whatever or not teaching, then I'm writing. Okay, these are the, meaning, if I'm not, what, my default setting is writing. That's what I do. When I'm not doing something else, that's what I'm doing. Okay, that's number one. That's my, that's my day. Just, right, now write. we know how you accomplished to write so many Sfarim. I'll tell you something. So a friend of mine, he runs Renewal. One of the people who runs Renewal. So we were talking once, and he said, I did a story a few times about Renewal. So he says to me, I want to, how do you do this? He said, how do you do, how do you put up? I said, I don't know. So then afterwards, he says, I want to send you something on WhatsApp. I said, I don't have WhatsApp. He goes, no, now I know. <laughs> very, very powerful. Everybody hear that? Keep, yeah. Keeps a yeah. person. With a phone like this, that's how we could do it. That's how we could do it. You get a phone like that, then you can do it. Ah. Anyway, so, um, so it's a how, how did this work? So basically, I reached out to as many people as I could who knew the rebel. I got leads from different places. People actually knew the rebel. Russians who knew the Rebbe back in Russia. I spoke to people who knew the Rebbe from all those years ago. I spoke to people in Menebrak who knew the Rebbe. I spoke to people in Yerushalayim who knew the Rebbe. Then I spoke to I spoke a lot to his Gabbai, his main Gabbai, so Moshe Berkowitz, Moshe Tzu Berkowitz, the Mashbak, Moshe Spakoidish. And he knew him from when he was a young Bacher for the rest of his life. He knew the Rebbe for the rest of the Rebbe's life. He met the Rebbe in America, and he was the Rebbe, he was the longest Gabbai. I spoke to him many times. I spoke to his son, his, his, his second rabbit's son, uh, son-in-law, Matas Kohn from Muncie. I, and, and I also got tremendous amounts of information from people who knew other Gabay. And slowly but surely, it started coming together. And a, a lot of research, a lot of listening to recordings, and, and looking up things and trying to find articles and leads. And, and eventually it came together. It was a big avoid though. So can you tell us, you mentioned about uh, one of the Gabayim that knew the Rebbe as a young uh, Bacher and then now until the end of his life. Can you tell us about the Rebbe's, the Rebbe's upbringing? The Rebbe's upbringing. He was a young, the Rebbe's parents died when he was very young. He was very close to uh, the Stefanesh, the Rebbe, in, in Europe. He, was, he adopted him, more or less. He became his, uh, his, his father. He said, you know, you're my, you're, you know, he called him his Neshama. His, 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 he was his guy. He said, you're like the biggest heicha, you're the holiest 
uplifted person. He said he picked him out of all his all his people. He like he he made it clear he was his successor. And um, so that's well, how why did it happen from Stephanus to Ribbonich? So he, so he, I'm saying this is he was his father was a follower of Stephanus, mm. and he spent a lot of time there. Stephanus eventually he's, he lived with the rebel. And he spent, as a youngster, he, he, he devoted himself to learning Mamish day and night. Tremendous this is in Russia. Russia, Moldova, Moldova, Moldova. There's a Russia, Carpathian Mountains. Carpathian Mountains. And um, and he got older, and he got older, he got married to a very chashva, the daughter of a very important, like a Dayan or a, a Rav, and uh, demanded a lot from him, tested him. And he was, you know, he really was tremendous Tamchacham. And then he, he spent a lot of time learning. But as the t- time passed in Russia, it was Stalin Russia, and uh, the, the Jewish people needed chizuk, and he was unofficial. He didn't call himself a rabbi. He didn't call himself a rabbi. Chaim Zanvo. They called him Chaim yeah. Zanvo. That's what they knew him as. They called him Chaim Zanvo. And he was their spiritual guide and leader. And he stayed in Russia and took care of them. And he would walk through the forest and talk about the wolves, and the white bears that he was, even he was scared. Wow. And seeing those eyes in the darkness and the malachim that would walk with him as he went through the forest with his Mesharis of Avram Markovich, whose daughter, whose daughter I spoke to. Wow. And uh, he, he tremendous miracles. The KGB coming to his house and looking for him and not seeing him. Just incredible, incredible miracles. But his mysterious nefesh was off the charts. Off the charts, mysterious nefesh. On every level, and in and, and, and every mitzvah, and he lived that way until eventually he left Eretz, he left Russia, went there to Israel. He stayed there for a few years, for not so long, very short actually, I think a year and a half, something like that. And then he went to America. He stayed in America. He did visit Eretz Israel. He went, he, was, he went a lot of places. Goodbye, took him to different places. Sometimes because they wanted him to go to rest, and I don't have so many people coming to see him. Wherever he went, really, people found out about it. He was like a, he was a legend. People. Always tracked him down and wanted brachas from him. Give me a bracha. He would say when a guy would come to his house for, and come to the tish and they would beg the rebel for a bracha for his son. He would give him a bone and say, "You do hasta bain. You have a son, a bain, a, a bone." In Yiddish is a bain. Oh, it's a play on words. Do hasta bain, or he would say, "Here's." He would give him a bite of chicken. He would say, "Do hasta boss." A boss in Yiddish is a bite, and they would have a boy or they would have a girl, and and and, and, and it's amazing, amazing things. People came to his tish. And, and the Rebbe always knew if they would say, let's say somebody, and he would say, before you come to my minion, you have to go to mikvah. But if a person didn't go, he would know. And he wouldn't want to shake the hand. And there was no fooling him. He always knew. There was no games. Uh, let's say they're once in Shul and Seagate. They said, Rebbe, we need, we need a levy. And the Rebbe was like, there is a levy. Like, there's no levy in Shul. They went through the whole Shul. There's no levy. He says, go to the side door. Open the side door. There's a guy waiting in the side door. He says, are you a levy? Yes. The Rebbe knew he was there. He's coming. He knew he was on a different. He was operating on a different level. And as Tiger Chatzais, Rabbi, he's Tiger Chatzais. What an avodah! He was in a tiny room with hundreds of candles and ashes on his head and sackcloth bent over, double, and he would daven for hours and hours and wow. cry until the tears mixed with the ashes and the floor was covered with black soot and it was hot and almost fire would break out. Godless greatness. So the Rav lived in Seagate. He lived in Seagate. He lived in Borough Park. He lived in in the. Uh, he was he was in a number of places. He first came. He was in Borough Park mainly for a long time. Borough Park. 
and then he was in LA for a while, Seagate for a while, but mainly Borough Park. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the the the, crew, the, the burial spot is in, in Muncie. At the end of his life. At the end yeah. of his life, he was in Muncie. That was the end of his life. It's yeah. a known thing by the Yerte. When's the Yerte? It just coming up right after Sukkis. Right. Oh wow. Now it's coming up. It's a big thing with what I remember. I didn't have the twenty thousand people came last year. Wow. I think. Yeah, this year it's gonna be even more. It's gonna be even more. What's the date of the Yerte? Do you know offhand? You can look it up one second, I'll tell you. Yeah, sure. I'll use the art site right now. I'm guessing you just pulled out the book. I pulled it out right now. Okay, we want to see the cover. I'll show you. Second. For all those that are uh, on the podcast and can watch, we'll uh, make sure you get the art scroll. 24th of Tishrei. 24th of Tishrei. Yisruchag Sukkis. Oh, wow. Okay, so that's... uh, Yisruchag Sukkis, the rabbi passed away, 1995. Unbelievable. This is the cover. Wow. Godless. Greatness. Uh, Abba descendants, Rabbi. What's that? Children, grandchildren of the Rabbi. Oh, no, the Rabbi didn't have any children. Wow. That's why the person who came to me, what, one of the reasons he was so motivated to do this, because the Rabbi said, the Rabbi used, sometimes it was a time, the Rabbi, everyone came to the Rabbi for brachas. One time the Rabbi started crying, and he said, you all come to me to ask me, to now is an ace Russell, please daven for me to have a child. And he was talking, he married somebody much younger than him. His second wife was decades younger than him. He hoped to have a child. He didn't have a child with her. Wow. So this person said, like he wants, the Rebbe said, please, you know, tell the world about about me. Share the stories. I want people, the Rebbe wanted people to know. That was one of the reasons why the person, the donor, was so, he was, it felt he was, he was felt weighing it down on him. That it has to be done. He felt it was a mission. He felt it was imperative that the Rebbe should have a book that he that he wanted the Rebbe, a book that the Rebbe would be proud of. And uh, Imamish felt it was very important that this should happen. And also, you should know, today is a big school in Muncie with Imamish, hundreds and hundreds of children. It's the Rebbe Tzacheder. And that's run by people from his family. And it's actually located on the on this place where the house he lived in, in Muncie. Wow. And he said, one day this will be a huge Jewish neighborhood, when it wasn't. And he said it will. It will be very big Jewish neighborhood. But that's all another whole story that's in the book also, how that happened. So everything's a story with the Rebbe. I want to tell you, Rabbi Nachman Seltzer, I feel the energy through the screen of the Rebbe, the way you're giving it over. I could just uh, imagine just reading the book how much chizuk, how much inspiration one could get about Misirud Nevish and giving up of yourself for others and for Kedush Baruch Hu and for God and for Hashem. Um, enjoying every single minute. We have a minyag, we have a custom in Torah Talks, which is a final message, that a takeaway, something that Klal Yisrael, everyone that's watching and listening, could take with them as uh, something, w- whether it's from the Rebbe Rebbe, whether it's from your other many Sfarim books, whether it's from the Shirim and the classes. Right before... Final Sukkot. message. <laughs> the final message for Klal Yisrael. Okay. The final message, I, I would, I'll, today's message... I think, is, is this. You need to remember that you're a great person. Okay? Every year, I'll tell you what I mean. What do I mean? There's about 16 million Yidin in the world right now. About, give or take, a few hundred thousand. Out of those 16 million, there are about 
two million, give or take, that are from. Does that make sense? Is that the right number? Three million? Something like that. Between something. two and three million, right? Right. Okay. You're the cure of God. You know the numbers. Between two and three million who are religious. Out of the two or three million that are religious, I would say, again, correct me if I'm wrong, probably a million and a half of them are really from, are really religious. Out of the million and a half that are really from, I would say, I don't know, 800,000 learn Torah on a daily basis. Maybe a million learn Torah. So that means if you're listening to this, you're one of the people who are part of the cream of the cream of humanity. Because if you think about it, is you are part of the million people who learn Torah every day, every week. You devote yourself to Torah mitzvahs. That's a zero point point whatever percentage of the world's population. You are from the royal family, one of the few people actually doing what Hashem wants in this world. So when I say you need to feel good about yourself, I really mean it because you're a mom is from the from the few, the proud. You know, you're the one doing the mission. You're doing what Hashem wants. When Hashem created the world, He said to Malachim, should I create you, uh, humans? He had you in mind because you're doing what He wants from the world. He wants people to keep the Torah. You're one of those few people who are doing that. Do you understand how great that is? I'm not, I'm not flattering you. I'm telling you how it is. You are actually great. You, let's say you're a person who works as a jeweler or as a barber, or you have a restaurant, or you work as a, I don't know, whatever you work, you're a mashkiach, you you work in um, construction. You come every day and you learn a, an hour. You listen to shiurim from the, from the rabbi. You try your best and you have your a kosher home and you're doing mitzvot and you're doing everything you need to do and you have shalom bayit in your house. You understand, you're a prince. You're a prince. Can you be better? We can all be better. But you're a prince of a Jew, and you need to feel that. And, you know, you got to feel that. Going into Sukkot, going into the rest of the year, you need to feel that you are a prince doing the Ratzon Hashem, doing what Hashem wants from you. You need to be proud of that. You need to be proud. You should feel good about yourself. Look at me. Look, I was Zoyche. I merited to be one of the people doing what Hashem wants in this world. So feel proud, my friend. Stand straight. Stand tall. You're a lucky man. Ashrecha. Wow, what a powerful final message. What an amazing Torah talk. I personally just got so much chizuk, so much inspiration from that message. And we are very thankful to Rabbi Nachman Zalzer. So busy, that has so much going on. He made the time to come join us on Chazak Torah Talks. A special thank you to our dear friend Rabbi Tzvi Balski for making the quote-unquote shidduch. Having the rabbi on the program, we really appreciate it. Uh, Chazak Torah Talks, Tuesday nights, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with special guests, uh, chazak.org slash live. Special shout-out and thank you to Torrent Time and all the many podcast players that are hosting our podcast. Please not only enjoy, but please share as well to family and friends and neighbors about the Ribbons, the life and legacy of the Ribbons of Rebbe with Rabbi Nachman Seltzer and the shout-out to dailygiving.org, a dollar a day. really goes a very far away, uh, doing amazing work for Cloudy show so many great causes. And once again, I want to thank Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. Rabbi, thank you on behalf of all of Kalisro. Thank you. For thank all your you amazing so work. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me and send my best regards to 
Avadi Yosef. <laughs> My son. Okay, right. yes. I, I, I'm going to make sure you, he, he watches this part. <laughs> but really appreciate it. And Yagda Torah and wishing everyone a, a, a uh, Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach, everybody. And the Sarot Tavot. Thank you.